0: Hello and welcome to the Noise Creators Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Cannon, and today is an episode I'm really excited about because I got to talk to one of my not only favorite musicians, but my favorite minds to talk about music with because I always appreciate every interview he does because he's super insightful. And that is Max Bemis of Say Anything, Two Tongues, and Rory Records fame. Max gets into his creative process. We talk about advice he imparts to the bands that he signs. We talk about... His collaboration with Chris Comley in Two Tongues, and a whole, whole, whole lot more that I think he's uniquely qualified to talk about. So if you don't know, he's going out on tour with Bayside and Hot Rod Circuit in the next month. So there's still tickets available for that. So if you're interested in seeing that, go check it out. Otherwise, check out this conversation. Hey! One second before we get started with this interview. Noise Careers is able to do these cool podcasts because we're a service. And we're trying to get the word out about our service to people. So if you enjoy this podcast, it's really, really important that... You share it to people so more people can get to know what we're doing trying to connect musicians with producers to make better music and make better records for you all to listen to. So please, please, please help us out. If you like this and like what we're doing, share it, tweet it, Facebook it, Instagram it, tumble it, whatever you like to do, do that. As well, we're going to start doing a really cool thing. If there's a great quote from these podcasts that you really enjoy, put it on a graphic, tweet it, Facebook it, take a picture of it, and send it to us at noise creators on every single one of the social networks. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna share the best ones. And if you're one of the best ones, We're going to send you a list of prizes we have. We have a bunch of cool, rare things from bands that aren't as much of a use to us. We have a couple of extras of rare pressings of vinyl, all sorts of cool stuff. You can choose from a list, and we'll send that out to you for free if you share a really cool quote that we like and we use. Thanks so much for helping out, and please, please, please help us spread the word on our service. Thanks. I spent all day yesterday pleasurefully listening through your catalog in order on Spotify or least <laughs> the order it was in. Uh-huh. So the last two releases are much more lo-fi. What was the thought about that? Yeah. Well, I guess
1: there's only so much of trying to attain kind of like a, you know, a really perfect clarity with edge. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's, the, there's a sound for a band like ours is like, post-grunge bands or punk bands and you know I mean think about how many of these bands in a, in a great way have just tried to achieve this sound of you know the Jerry same sort of mm-hmm. sound uh for years and that's cool but um I think there's a lot of cool stuff going on sonically outside of punk music or, mm-hmm. or a sort of slice of it that I'm pigeonholed in at times
0: can you give me some examples of what you what you've been liking sure I mean um At the
1: time, I think the thing that got me into it was like when Japan Droids and Cloud Nothings sort of appeared because there was a lot of time where stuff was cool, but not up my alley, so to speak, like chill wave and things like yes, that yeah Yeah. and then you had bands like waves and you know these kind of like lo-fi hi-fi bands and i think that's kind of what i've been going for is to be to continue to try to be meticulous but to to, to be a little more inspired and let kind of craziness shine through in terms of uh the performance and even everything about it i used to just i don't know i, I mean i'm going to st- the studio was more of a like a perfectionist Thing and now it's like uh, I try to let loose and have it be a little more
0: art, be more like art than just like, you know, I don't know, <laughs> dividing a car. Gotcha. So was there, was that a reaction to anything? Like, was there an epiphany that changed that for you or anything? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe just a
1: reaction to, to, I never. You know, I can't say I never want to do the same thing twice. It's
2: mm-hmm. cliche, and I,
1: sometimes I do. But, I mean, I definitely, it is important for me to try new things creatively in every aspect of my life. And so, I think it just, it was time. You know, we got off a major label, mm-hmm. and the songs I was writing sort of lent themselves to that sound. With this last record, you know, a lot of what inspired it was, was hip-hop. Mm. Um, so, if you listen to, you know, let's say a Kanye record, like we were listening to a lot of Kanye and we made it, there is a lot of lo fi sound. Oh yeah. You think of it as yeah, you know, like you think you think of it as pop production sometimes, but in reality pop production in this day and age is crazy sounding. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know that was a big informant into like taking away a lot of boundaries that we used I and mean, that, that I was kind of stuck with up until the last couple of records.
0: Gotcha. And so how does that figure into the two tongues record also being a little bit more lo-fi than the last one? Yeah, I think that.
1: Cause yeah, I, I, I can't see uh, Chris
0: have... listening to Kanye with you. Oh, he he loves Kanye. Did he? he? It's he so funny. Kanye. Funny. Like yeah. me, me and Jeff were hanging out with him and like defending Kanye yeah. to him once. He was getting so mad at us.
1: Oh, I bet! I bet! I mean, his, his, his tastes have evolved over the years yeah. a lot, and uh, you know, he's he's pretty open-minded musically yeah. now. He, he, and one of the things he really likes is, I mean, Two Tongues is a, you know a varied experience from what we both experienced in our mm-hmm. band, which is this sort of you know dictate, dictatorial position. So, you know, me and Chris are kind of nuts together in terms of like, we've always been, you know, like really inspiring to each other and kind of like when we talk, we get really worked up spiritually. Mm -hmm. It's always this kind of over the top thing with us. So we're like, why can't we, you know... (laughs) Try to have that come out in terms of how we make this record, in terms of the performances and all that stuff. So you know, instead of doing the whole thing with a producer, we just it was just me and him in a room letting yeah. ourselves, you know, just you know, go rock <laughs> um, for a while. And you know, it, it was certainly really fun to do, and I, I really loved the result.
0: Yeah, no, it feels really good. So, oh, awesome. Thanks. So I'm curious about a thing with you. So when Sure. When we first met, it was in the studio, I was yeah. working under Steve Evans, yeah. and one of the things that struck me with you still to this day, and this is 12, mm. 13 years later, is yeah. you worked with a fast vision faster than anybody I've still ever seen in my life. Oh, thank you. Thank you and so it, it really, like, you know, it's like one of those things, like, it really uh, made an impression on me. So, I know, oh, though, awesome. with those songs, you had already recorded them yeah. once, I mean, they were even circulating on LimeWire already. Yeah, that was
1: that was like yeah those that's an extreme example but i am i do work really quickly because i can i don't i tend to arrange songs in my head before i go into the studio mm-hmm. a lot of the time on this last record there was a little bit less of that and more improv and craziness but generally with the especially with like the basic guitar parts and kind of like the the overtones of the song and what I'm trying to get across sonically it's like it's in that that's how it kind of pops into my head um, mm. it doesn't really I don't I don't even have a guitar really like I don't uh, we have a couple of acoustics lying around
2: mm. and mostly
1: I kind of I I don't jam you know I don't practice at all and what have it'll just the only practice I get is through writing and then, you know, recording when I do record. So it's it's just, that's how I function musically. It's
0: all the creative element and a lot of the technical. Okay. So I guess what some of my curiosity was, so you had obviously demoed those songs extensively, so it's easier to have a vision. Are you a big I? You know, with the separation of the studio these days, of being able to just yeah. record a final version. Are you very big on I have to do a demo first and then make a a more fleshed out version of it? W- where are you at with that in your evolution as a songwriter?
1: Actually, for the past three records, I've
0: done um, Basically, the demos were
1: the record because I was just building it. But yeah, I just built it in Logic and. Um, and then we replaced the fake strings with real strings, you know, because, wow. yeah. And so, so, uh, and, then I don't think it is, There was no demos. Um, we would build that from the little pieces of songs or entire songs that were just in my head or, you know, I had a, a iPhone clip of. And Two Tongues was just little pieces of, you know, we, we had maybe a couple demos, but it was mostly just, like, recordings of riffs and stuff that we worked from. Nice. So, but I'm going to do it for my next record. I, I do miss it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so what do you miss about it? Just the precision with which you can... There's something magical about seeing something for the first time, but then there's also something magical about seeing a song where you've played it, you mm-hmm. know, a hundred times. And if you listen... To your own demos, which I will do, Mm. and kind of with a critical mind, then you know you you'll go in and you'll you'll kick ass, and you know you might come up with certain things you wouldn't have come up the first time you did it. Mm. So so yeah, I think that can be great. I've just you know having been that dude Mm. for 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 the first part of my career, I think for the second part, I kind of wanted to just take different approaches and throw away certain things that I was beholden to and Mm. make it fun. It has to be fun. Totally. And if it's fun to to be calculated, then then do it. But if it's not, then, you know, nothing just because,
0: nothing just for the principle. of it. Totally. So you have written, I'm going to get the number wrong. So why don't I just ask you, how many many song shop songs do you think you've done around? Somewhere around, Five to six thousand, maybe seven. Oh my god! (laughs) So, so I I was going to be about half that when I did my uh, thing that I thought I remembered. Yeah, I think
1: it's at least five, at least five that we have,
0: because there was a certain there's only a certain point where we I used to do it just
1: through my email, Mm -hmm. and then we started counting, and so I think there was
2: maybe another
1: thousand before. Wow. um, yeah, for 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 a while at the beginning when we were first doing it, it was around a thousand every time we opened it, and that was almost. I think it was basically like once a year, at least once a year. And now we, we now
0: it's definitely not more than once a year.
1: And uh, I tend to close it earlier, and, and you know, so
0: yeah. So. I guess like the thing becomes is like when you when I get in the studio with like a musician who's like one of those like like the drive like Jay who you think of like we wrote 22 songs. And that's yeah. all our band ever was. There was no other tidbits ever off the side. Everything came to life. So if that's like <laughs> yeah. one yeah. side of the pendulum. You are the exact opposite side of the pendulum.
1: Completely. Completely. I mean, I wish that I could
0: put out more of
1: what I do. I wish I could. um I, I want to live in the future where people have completely uh, thrown out the idea of a divide between creative output and you know the marketing of it to some extent because i don't know i mean Mm. i feel like i would i would release a lot more music i mean song shop in and of itself is technically releasing music but yes you know everyone's fairly limited by the industry itself to to not you know you can't oversaturate at this mm. point but but i wish we could because it's like who doesn't want more music if you like an artist
2: totally and so I'm, I'm
1: actually i'm leaning in that direction as much as i can with my career like trying not to there are people who who don't give a fuck and will put out a lot of music and you know i look up to them a lot
0: no I, I, I so was that some of the idea also behind just like releasing it one night late at night
1: yeah i was i was just so sick of the lead up Mm-hmm. and the it, it used to matter when when you know you'd go to the first day to a friggin you know Sam goody and get a CD. And at this point, it just shows up on Spotify, and that's mostly how people listen to it. Yeah, more yeah. High,
0: you know what I mean? That's how I listen to it. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, like most people, especially my demographic, like they're just, it's just Spotify, you know, and uh, or, or whatever. Even if they buy it, it'll tend to be on vinyl um, or you know a little bit on digital. But so it kind of just like reeks of of stale old record industry to me when when you know we try to do this big lead up and
2: mm-hmm. you know i think it's
1: appropriate sometimes but especially with the, there's a lot of uh, impulsivity to this record and making it and how we went about it and it was kind of a little adventure so we were just like hey let's just let's just do something crazy like and and we don't have to worry about it leaking mm-hmm. we don't have to worry about any of that and then people get the whole thing at once and they just get a nice surprise
0: you know, it's something I would have been stoked about if it was a band I liked. So that's kind of why we did it. Nice. So to get back to what I was originally going at. So if I personally wrote 6,000 songs, I would never know <laughs> what my good ideas were anymore. Is there mm-hmm. any insight you have on how you still find the good ideas out of doing all that?
1: Totally. I feel like, you know, song shops are really specific and tailored to provoke emotions in one to people who are receiving it and you know there's less call to be experimental there's less call to to have a a particular theme that's there already is a theme
2: you know Mm -hmm. what i mean there's already
1: almost a creative direction given to me Mm
2: -hmm. so
1: there's not as much work put into um I think I I know how I feel. I don't write songs in between, or I do. That's that's kind of bullshit. A little bit, I will write a random song here and there, but I tend to decide the direction of a record before I start writing it. Mm-hmm. uh or maybe based based on the first song ever or based on what i've wanted to do based on the last record so for instance with this new say anything record that i'm writing right now it has a complete theme and it has a complete direction and the production's already kind of laid out in my head how i want to produce it so that helps define you know that those songs from the song shop songs and then with those songs i kind of you know there's a there's more of a call for me to 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 experiment and to be highly creative with how i put it together because it's like there's only one album every couple of years instead of like you know song shop there's this song and then the next song and then mm-hmm. the next song so it's, it's easy to just dis- to discern those two
0: creative processes and that helps me you know know what's what and what's worth pursuing gotcha so When you do a record, then, how much stuff are you trashing, then, if it's, like, with that idea? Like, do you ever get to the point where you're like, oh, well, you know, I'm making a record now, I have to throw this song out? Because, like, if I remember correctly, there was, like, going into, in defense of the genre, I think you had said you had, like... And I'm not going to get the number right again, but like in yeah. the double the record, what you ended up putting out and that record still had a million. Songs. Maybe, maybe I, I mean, that's possible because that was at a period in my life where we
1: had put out our first record, mm-hmm. you know, it did well and there was a gap and it was like all oh, this pressure to, to follow mm-hmm. up his real boy and, you know, me trying lots of stuff. So that is one. And I had, you know, a uh, little home reporting setup of some kind and I, that's that's actually a time in my life where i did own a guitar
2: mm. i think it was the
1: last i think i i broke it during practice i dropped it and then that was the last time i ever owned a guitar <laughs> during that period and so i would sit and come up with riffs and stuff like that so so that that makes sense if, if that was the case i don't remember but for the past all the records after that, pretty much, uh, especially after self-titled, there hasn't been many extra songs. I tend to write for the amount that I want to be on the record, and then stop. <laughs> gotcha. i just like, I don't know, I, I hone in on a few, and th- there'll be one or two that that don't make it, I guess. But not really. I don't. I don't really let a song form unless I'm sure I'm working on it. A lot of songs are kind of like shells of a song and until I know they're going on
2: the
0: record, they don't really evolve past that point. Gotcha. So you're it's very much that you have this intent, like how you're saying like you know exactly what you're doing to go into each record. So you have the aim and you're able to fulfill that aim and totally. Totally. Well hopefully, yeah. <laughs> I think you did. I, I listened to it all yesterday. I think you've, you've done very well for yourself. Uh, but, um, oh, thank you. Thank you. So, you tweeted the other night, though, that you're not writing in the first person. And then I listened yeah. through your catalog, yeah. like maybe the day or two after you tweeted that. And I was like, holy shit, you write in the first person a lot. And I never had noticed yeah. that, even though I've listened yeah. to your records a million times. I think that's usually the mark, is you, if you do it well, you don't usually notice the pattern because the listener's engage. Oh, but, like, like Well, I mean,
1: I associate, like, a lot of the more uh, emotive music that I like Mm is in the first person, and I think for people like me who, it's like, you know... I don't know Woody Allen or someone. Like every movie is kind of about Woody Allen. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. a few, yeah. few notable exceptions. You know, I always associated writing the third person with like cheesy, like the the worst. Like I love Springsteen, but like bad Springsteen songs, where it's like, you know, she's riding out and she knows <laughs> where he wants to go. Um, it's a so, so I am, Yeah. <laughs> so I, it actually isn't the first person, but it's about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about a character the whole record. So I needed to be inspired to write about something that I felt wasn't cheesy and wasn't a stretch and wasn't me doing that just for the sake of doing that. Because there's something we're known for, I think in the band and I don't want to lose that. And this, particular without giving it away, like it's it's very much a say anything. If anything, it's closer to what what the cliche of the say anything record would be like based on the person. Um so it it, it doesn't stray far from uh what's good about the band, which I don't ever really want
0: to do. Nice. Hi. I'm gonna just take one second to tell you about something that if you're listening to this podcast you will probably be interested in. Noise Creators put out a book called The 30-Minute Guide to Getting More Fans. It's by me, Jesse Cannon. I wrote a book called Get More Fans, The DIY Guide to the New Music Business. That's been one of the best-selling books on how to build a fan base for your band. That book is really long and detailed. What we decided to do, though, is make a smaller version of that book that you can read in under 30 minutes that tells you all about how you can build a fan base for your band. I'm sure you've noticed there's been far too many people popping up in your Facebook news slinging information on how to build a fan base for a subscription or $100 or something, but Noise Creators was founded because we saw the potential to make the music world a better place. When I started writing about the music business over eight years ago, I always wanted to just teach all the bands that I thought had potential how to do this because I saw too many bands not build themselves up that I thought were the world should hear. So this book has all that knowledge that I learned building fan bases for bands, producing, and working in the music business for years. I managed a bunch of successful bands in the past, and this is how I got them to be more than a band that just their hometown knew about. So if you head over to noisecrears.com under the more tab that says ebook, you can get it there for free. All you have to do is enter your email address or your Twitter address. Thanks for taking the time to check this out. So you mentioned character in there, and obviously one of the other main uh, things you've done is comics uh, in recent years. Has there been any way that the comics and the music inform each other in your stuff in recent years?
1: Yeah, totally. You know, it's just language, taking up language and and I mean, my lyrics are kind of my main selling point to Mm -hmm. some degree, and I've always taken them. Pretty seriously, but I think that I do way more. I'm able to revise more with my lyrics now. I do a,
0: do a good amount
1: of revising. So, um, you, so are you saying you
0: weren't doing a lot of revising in your earlier in your career? No, no. It was a lot of phrases would, would be things that
1: just pop into my head, mm. um, and they'd all come really quickly, and, and then I'd just be like, okay, i'm kind of let it lie. Um, but with this, like, I feel like you know, I could there's there's always Not always, but sometimes there's like, you know, a a different word you can use that's even more perfect or, you know, you know, my goal is to to have all the, to have someone be able to read the lyrics and just enjoy reading the lyrics or returning to the lyrics or discovering the lyrics after liking the song. Be really drawn into it and feel like there's a lot of effort put in while not also being overly rehearsed or overly, you know, trying too hard to be intelligent or something, which I hate.
0: Nice. So I feel like you get – like if I'm at a show, I feel like you've been the person that people love to discuss how their music changes with medication and drugs. Um, Oh, yeah. um, You get thrown around as the example, but I sit there and I go, you know who would probably have a really interesting thing to say about the way medication and drugs changes your (laughs) music is you since you're the example everybody says it. So I've always wanted to ask you about this. Um, What are your thoughts on how – I, I like in the book I just read I call it like changing your cocktail um since like yeah, all these authors yeah. like if you read that book um Daily Rituals from Mason Curry it's like he talks about how all these authors had a certain cocktail for a while like all these 1800s people were doing yeah. some sort of opium or stimulant and right right so I'm curious what you think Yeah I mean it definitely does change
1: your writing I mean I I don't know if I'm you know, I know I, I own, not everyone agrees with me, but I certainly think that I was a lot worse when
0: I was smoking pot. I, uh, just in, in my, uh, IMO. am. <laughs> like, okay. And so, so what, what period like, is that for people don't uh, know? You know,
1: it wasn't very, it wasn't. And, you know, there was more than pot, but there wasn't that much. Fun. Like, I think it's kind of blown out of proportion because on is a real boy, it's, you know, I'm really dramatic
2: mm-hmm. and
1: mm-hmm. it felt dramatic. And then there was a whole bipolar thing mm-hmm. that got. But all of that really only took place. I think I started doing drugs around 17. Mm-hmm. And I stopped when I was like 24. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I have friends that have been like smoking weed their whole lives and continue to, or do drugs their whole lives and continue to, and drink a fuck ton. So, you know, that period of unrest in my life. Also, people think in defense was done during this period.
2: Mm. Because I was
1: bipolar, a little bit like having struggles with bipolar, but I also stopped smoking pot by in defense. So it's mm. really, literally just is a real boy. Um, and I mean, there is a certain nihilistic glee that comes from the fact that I was like a little more detached, but I was also 19 and like, you know, going through the shit that you go through when
2: you're 19,
1: it's, you know, so, but, but I do think it, it did change me. And I think I've felt much more creative. There was a lot more anxiety attached to the process and depression mm-hmm. and, it, and like trying to prove myself. Cause I was like mm. all whacked out and weird. <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, now it comes from a place of just pure like enjoyment and love. I don't really think about tr- for it to be commercially successful or not commercially successful, or what it. You know, there's it's there's more purity to it now. And then you know, and then there is cocktails still.
2: You know, mm-hmm. I mean, people.
1: You know, I, I drink a little. I mm-hmm. you know I do have all these pills that sometimes get changed around. and, you know that producer or something's going on in my life that mm-hmm. caused a different state anything can inform you know so it's, it's not like there was this me who did a bunch of drugs and and then now there's me who doesn't do anything and I'm mm-hmm. like this guy you know I, it's it's more in the middle you know I don't do drugs like illegal mm-hmm. smoke or shoot or snort <laughs> anything illegal but you know I'm I'm not I'm not a buttoned up dude you know <laughs> uh, and, and like I live a pretty you know I don't know. I, I think there, it, it did get a little blown out of proportion in terms of, but not too much. Like I see it and I acknowledge mm-hmm. that it's real, but it's, it is, there is a misconception about how long I was crazy Cause I was like
2: mm-hmm. a very
1: happy kid, very well adjusted up to the age of like probably 18. Even the first year that I was like smoking pot, I did well in school. Got into college, had friends. Mm-hmm. You know, secretly depressed, but not nothing more than norm, you know out of the norm. And then eighteen, nineteen, started to lose it. Mm-hmm. And you know, then I was already. It's not like it took a long time for me to get into the hospital. The first day I had a manic break. It was the first time I went to the hospital, so you know it wasn't protracted, really.
2: Mm. Um,
1: and it was br- it was relatively brief in the, in the story, you know, the scheme of my life. Things like having kids and being married, or having the, you know, losing a friend. These are the things that have been more influential on in our career in general.
0: I think that makes a a lot of sense. I guess, like you know, it's also like the thing for you is that like whenever the stories that get told line up with how the record yeah. sounds. Cause like Israel boy oh, yeah. sounds yeah. what it, what it is a bipolar. Like it's like almost somebody having a conversation yeah. with themselves in the background vocals half the time. So like when you <laughs> align that like together, it's like, man, that makes for a fucking great story.
2: Yeah,
1: of course. Yeah. yeah I, I totally. And, and it was like that, you know, and, and it's completely valid. But yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it certainly is a difference there, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, feel like though we are one of those bands that will kind of never outdo their first record in in the general public opinion Mm. there's there's still so many people that are into our whole catalog that you know i don't think we would be having continue i don't think we'd be able to still have any sort of career (laughs) if it was actually like that i think you know there's a lot of ideas that it's like that and then there's a lot of people kind of of our generation who mm-hmm. of course set the case because, you know, that was like a record that came out towards the end of when we
0: all were going to shows yeah, and I- in the scene. Yeah. You know? I jo- I joke about it all the time that that yeah. that that record was like one of the last points in my life where I was like, oh, that's when I was emotionally insane too. So, right, oh, I that- wonder? I wonder why oh, I wonder cool. why, I wonder why that record hit so hard with me. And it's like, oh, yeah. it's cuz like that's how I felt and like I don't I don't yeah, need we the were, comfort we of music the way I- like that. Yeah, and I don't need the... Comp- uh, like I don't run to an album now when I'm depressed because I'm very rarely depressed. Right. I, and, like, that record exactly. spoke exactly. to me because I yeah. needed a record. And, you know, I was probably oh, 26. Thank you. Yeah, I mean... you. Know, you. Um, but at the sa- same time, it's like the thing of, though, then I hear Hebrews, and, like, I'm listening yesterday, it's like, wow, you know, I've heard this record a thousand times, and every time I hear it, I hear new cool things that I'm like, fuck, this oh, is... Oh, so thank you so cool. much. That's so, so cool. <laughs> thank you. But So... I th- th- think there is, though, the thing that uh, you are right, because there's so many bands that have continued to make some records, and some people just go, no, we're done with yeah. you, we're not going to we're not gonna pay attention, Completely. we're not going to post you on the websites anymore, we're done with you. You're still... Exactly,
1: yeah. I, I feel really gracious, and I, even as a fan, feel that worry about certain bands, and I, you know, that's you know, it's sad and hypocritical because I don't want anyone to do that to me. But Mm -hmm. I mean, it it is what happens if you don't like a band's music, you won't listen to them. Mm
2: -hmm. So I feel like,
1: you know, there was the initial, I think we had a more, I don't know, a more punk rock audience with Is A Real Boy initially, you know, Mm -hmm. there was the whole scene thing. But then there was also like, we were in this kind of like, post-punk sort of like, there were, you know, like, Guys who like hot water music a lot mm-hmm. liked us, you know. The, we were because we were on Doghouse, and it was like you know those scenes bled together a little bit, yep. and then like we kind of got stigmatized not not stigmatized. I mean, it's a good thing, but you know, to having to not being a band that's like I don't know, um, just a band for like I don't know. I, I, I think I think we became a, a more, more like accessible band, mm. and you know, to some degree. And, you know, and there's still lots of, you know, like punk rock dudes and, you know, girls who like our band, not even girls, because the cliche of what I'm saying is, is that these are like these old crotchety (laughs) punk rock guys. Like at that point, I was, again, they were guys. You know, like I didn't know any because like the, the girls that I liked to were into punk rock were much cooler and less, at least in my experience, were less crotchety and like weird and close minded. Mm-hmm. So there was a very brief period where we were like accepted in that circle. And then immediately, you know, we signed to a major label. We had the Touch Myself song, and it's just yes. like, okay. You know, whereas Against Me, like, still gets away with it. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> um, yes.
0: You know, I always enjoy seeing what's moving you on Twitter. I appreciate that you. Also, yeah. still tweet about new bands and stuff like that because there's the you know anybody I think who's been gets in, who's in this uh for about six years, it's like that's about uh six years is usually the twilight of ever listening to a new band that you don't <laughs> tour with. Like it's like oh, I yeah. like this band because yeah. we're taking them out on tour in a month. <laughs> it's like you know that's that exactly no uh, I and I've
1: gone through that phase and thankfully I you know I still go through that phase a little bit sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's just there is too much. I also had to deal with the the, the climate of music at Mm. one point, whereas now, you know, there's so much being made that's up my alley that Mm -hmm. it's like, it's not, it doesn't really take much effort to like go to similar artists on Spotify and like see what's out there. You know, I don't, I don't look at music news sites unless I have to for some reason
0: not not to slight them but i do No just don't. i mean it's it's, um, not, it's not an enjoyable experience for anyone at this No point.
1: <laughs> yeah if you're in the industry it stresses you out you know mm-hmm. um so i i just it's mostly word of mouth and spotify and seeing who tours with the other bands that i like and
2: mm-hmm. friends
1: will send me a song so yeah and and then you know running the label uh, part of yes. equal vision is you know also uh, requires that i'm at least
0: somewhat you know know a band <laughs> at least <laughs> yes. every year so yeah so, person, so, my so so yeah i was gonna i was gonna ask you uh w- w- what's some what's some music that's been really hitting you hard lately well i really you know
1: do like this band backwards dancer a lot that we're putting I, listened out their
0: to, record. I listened to that today it's a, a- awesome stuff
1: yeah they're great they're, you know it's it's kind of everything i like mm-hmm. the band and they're, they're young and very cool people
2: guys like a visionary
1: songwriter and you know, I really liked the, you know, I continued to really like the Hotelier, which mm-hmm. he was a part of. Uh, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, he was, uh, um, he was featured on the record before that sort of broke them. Mm-hmm. But it's it's out there and it's a really good record in and of itself. And then he went out to do his own thing. And um, yeah, he, I mean... So that's kind of how I heard about them because I was like, what happened to that dude? Mm. And then I, I, I looked them up and I saw um, that he was like playing around. And so, yeah, they're, they're going on their first like major tour with I'm in a few weeks. So nice. that's really cool. And to see for them, they're basically in the position I was, at, you know, right at the beginning and like about to go on to work. It's cool to watch. Cause I mean, they're so good. I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it felt that way for some people who are, you know, working with me, but I'm really critical of my own music, so when I listen mm-hmm. back to Zero Boy, I'm like, okay, that's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of, kind of. I mean, in in a way, when I'm more critical, I'm like, okay, I see why it's good technically, yes. but it's not pleasing to my ears anymore, because I'm so, uh, I just it brings, all, I, it reeks of everything that went into making it at all times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I hear their record, I'm just like, loving it rocking out and i'm like they're so young it's so good you know and so it's mm. you know they're about as old as i was with my first few records too but i you know i i feel like they're more mature and better
0: Oh, i think i think it's always that funny thing of um i think it's in that book steel like an artist he like he has this like graph of um the points like you get done with it you're happy with it for most part two months later you hear huh. all the flaws 6 months later if it comes yeah. on you want to stab your ears out and then a year later you're like I'm okay with this and then 5 years later you're like I want to change everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's very accurate. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there are some of
1: my records that I now can listen to in retrospect and most of it doesn't annoy me mm-hmm. and that's pr- like in defense is one of the few ones because there's so many songs that i haven't listened to them that many times there are songs like i'll hear a guitar part i'm like whoa like, what the hell was that I mean, <laughs> i've heard that three times because we've never even played a lot wow so you know so so
0: yeah <laughs> uh is there anybody else that you're really liking
1: the new touche amore it's not new oh, yeah. but it's whatever the last one that they put out is like one of my favorite things in a while i like what is the name of that japanese artist mitka Mit- oh, Mits- mitsuki mitsuki yes. someone played that to me for the first time yesterday or the other day and i was like yes this is amazing yeah i don't know there's there's a lot i just have a gigantic playlist that i mm. that i build over time and also lately i've just been i think working on my music more which is i tend to listen to less music when
0: i'm making
2: Mm. my
1: own music because i try to put that in it like i have to try to write something that
0: i want to hear yes i I think it's an interesting thing that a lot of people don't it's, it's like one of those things that they don't teach uh any musician is that like uh that famine during the immediate creative process like Right as you're trying to incubate an idea, a famine could be really good, so it's not too derivative. Because all you're going to do is go, "I'm in love with that song. I'm going to try to do that song."
1: Exactly. No, I totally do that every time I'm writing. I just like step back a little bit. I still listen to Saves of Day every day. <laughs> that's <laughs> I hear that's you.
0: one thing that you can count on, is mm-hmm. that like, I never stop listening to Saves a Day all the time. <laughs> I, I, I am right there with you. Awesome, awesome. So you've worked with a lot of great producers. Is there any advice you can think of from one that really uh, had a big impact on you?
1: Positivity in the studio and an mm-hmm. encouragement of creativity is huge.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the knowledge that this is a real sensitive area for most musicians and so you have a better chance of impacting the experience positively if you yourself put yourself in the energy of of creation instead of trying to impose too much because you can you could end up i mean on the last record darren who co-produced it with me he ended up friggin being half the band we Mm. didn't know that to happen, but they did. And that was, but that also came with giving me space, respecting the process, making suggestions, but in a way that doesn't seem invasive. You know, I don't believe in trying to push people to the point of breaking point and making oh. them
2: unhappy to make
1: something good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, like, you know, just letting someone experiment and, and being encouraging, like you should love a record you're producing? Why are you Mm. producing if you're not excited by the person's creative energy? And and it'll it'll be obvious, you know? Um, And thankfully, I haven't had that experience, but I have had the opposite experience, which is the positive version of that. And, Mm. uh, you know, when when the best possible experiences come from that, that, you know,
0: excitement and just when like, you're both just yeah, you yeah. know,
1: like we are both in that bowl.
0: of just love. You know, it's it's at the point that there's so many people who can record records. If you can't find somebody who's going to be happy to be there, you're not yeah. trying hard. You're not yeah. trying very hard to find them then.
1: Well, yeah, like I've always wanted to make a record with Steve Albini, but mm. like I'm—I've just heard so many stories of him being like a grump and like yeah, just yeah. like not giving a shit. That that t- completely turns out. So that brand of producer, like the grumpy but well, you know crotchety, old, eh, I know better. Yeah, I, I mean, it makes me want to shoot kill myself. Thank God I've never had to deal with that, and like, at this point I
0: never will. <laughs> yeah, but you know what's interesting with him is like his perspective. He actually explains that he. Didn't did a podcast where him and ian MacKay interviewed each other it's one of the best podcast episodes there the you go yeah, he actually awesome. explains it on that one that like it's more that the reason he that people perceive he doesn't care is that more that like he yeah. really feels he should be septic to the process that he should not be involved and to a point that if you want his approval and anything because like his thing is is like i right. like the i like the most fucked up music I'm going to steer you so wrong because yeah. my tastes are so specific, so you want me to stay the fuck out of the way.
1: And, yeah, uh, and, and that I actually mm-hmm. love. Cause mm-hmm. There are times where I just want a guy to go in, let me and my band or whoever I'm collaborating with just have a field day and just be amazing at setting up mics.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, like... And that's and what and that is. is kind of what
1: but I am afraid. The one thing I'm afraid of with him is is you don't want to look over and feel like the guy genuinely doesn't like what he's hearing. Like you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Because if his taste, like his taste, may be crazy. Obviously, we know Steve Albini yeah. like likes a lot of weird, crazy music. Mm-hmm. But if he can't even the act, it just sours the vibe yeah. for me. Like it is not caring to the point of just just recording it and being pleasant and nice is cool. But if you're in there and it just seems like, I don't know, I'm scared of him. Cause he does, <laughs> he could be the coolest guy in the world that's just based on certain things. I'm like, yeah,
0: I think he's one of those people that no matter what he does, it sounds like he doesn't like you. Exactly, I don't
1: like that. You know, like the only person I is my booking agent, who so I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, and that is a teddy bear. But you know, yeah, no, it, it, that's the worst. I mean, I've been in bands with people who are like that, and it never lasts. And that's the worst. You know, that's why so many bands break up is when you're in the room with someone who's like across the room and you could, and is passive aggressively, oh. like, you know, or showing a lack of interest. Oh, blatantly. It's the worst. It's like, nothing is more detrimental you know, in a way to, uh, to be having to, to being creative. It's like being shot down in the middle of like inspiration. You
0: know? Yeah. Thousand percent. So my last question since this podcast is a lot about trying to help uh, the younger musicians. Um, Obviously, you're a label guy now. Is there any advice you try to really impart on that you think it's really important for the younger bands to hear?
1: Yeah, um, just not being afraid to be distinctive and at the same time not Too caught up in trying to be distinctive, I think, is the balance where it's like, and it's the same balance of confidence and then, you know, humility that comes across in music. Like, I mean, Mm. You know, I think you hear in, in my music that there's a lot of you know confidence, but mm. I'm not an overly confident guy. I just feel like that's kind of what rock and roll, or whatever. Yeah. It doesn't have to be rock and roll, mm. uh, but but the good good rock and roll, not the cliche, shitty, misogynist bullshit <laughs> that people you know say is rock and roll. But mm. like you know, I mean, I think that there is a certain confidence in what you're doing, and will come across and the willingness to, to to realize that there is this sea of music and you have to stand out in some way and you have to be really good you know like mm. uh, don't just play half-ass shit i mean mm. you know but then at the same time to know that your stuff is gonna sound half-ass to someone else at some point and it's it certainly compare if you compare all the specifics it's going to be bad compared, you know, like if I play my, a bass line and then listen to Paul McCartney play bass, I'm going to feel like I'm the worst bass player <laughs> in the world.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know?
1: And so it's all relative and it's all based on opinion and subjectives. When I say, don't be half ass. I just mean like, even when I was 17 and making music that, I, that in retrospect, I don't like very much. Mm. i wanted to be in the best band ever you know i i did and clearly to most people we're not the best band ever but i mean to some people we are and i think that's that's the balance is 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 just believing in yourself but then also realizing that you're just a little piece of shit you know <laughs> we are both we're both insignificant and very significant and that's what art's about and you know so to have to have that you gotta have both i think because you know it's it's a, it's a tough tough market but i mean the good stuff does rise or does it is it, is it the opposite to say the shit right? like what <laughs> is that the saying like the good stuff rises to the
0: top or just the shit so the saying is that and then uh then you look at what do we have for a president right, right. Now, and you wonder oh, yeah, uh does yeah, it they're apply they're, everywhere yeah yeah you know it's it's true and and
1: he he's yeah that is that is the exception mm-hmm. he's the walking exception to the this, this life
0: but, um a, a, a lot of what I what I, what I what I write about uh this new book i just wrote, wrote is you know the rules for music i think are a lot different for the rules that you get here about everything else in this world and that's so what makes true. it so di- yeah. so difficult and business, yeah. business oh my god yeah and
1: social yeah
0: and I, oh. I think that's what makes it tough is like you know like the you get told the customer is always right all your life and it's like in music the customer is yeah. not always right because music written to please customers oh. is terrible music exactly exactly and yet there is something in
1: in trying to reach people, you know, mm-hmm. but so it is. It's just that complete balance of of I, you know, do you really want no one to hear your music? Like that's why I've never been like obsessed with Cobain. I mean, he's a genius, and I mm-hmm. think Nirvana are my favorite bands. But his persona that never. That's why, like, I became obsessed with with Saves the Day. I was not like a grunge Nirvana kid, even though that mm-hmm. was my favorite music, because it was like these were kids that were not afraid to put on a show, but it was clearly hard on your sleeve. And then with Nirvana, I feel like it was the opposite where it was like he wanted to appear or maybe genuinely felt like he didn't want his music to to achieve the heights that it did. Maybe it was a complete accident,
0: but I just don't buy that as much. Hmm. Um it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, <laughs> it didn't feel authentic to you. It doesn't feel as authentic. I mean, mm. like, he, he is
1: one of the most authentic, you know, rock songwriters ever. And, and I love it, but I just, that mentality has always been something that I have a hard time dealing with people in, in the public eye who stay in the public eye, pretty much who could have walked away at any point. Mm. And, you know, and that it has nothing to do with this obviously terrible, terrible way that he went out of this world, but yeah. in t- there was a long period where he could have been like, okay, Nirvana's gonna yes. Nirvana is not going to sign the
2: major label. Nirvana is
1: not going to do like giant stadium tours, but they did it. Because mm-hmm. they were awesome, He knew they were awesome, and I think you know. So uh, anyway, that was a rant. No, <laughs> I, I think it's actually really
0: interesting insight. Because you, if there's anything that's universal today, is a universal respect of Nirvana. And oh yeah, of course. To, to hear, course. To, I think it's really interesting that
1: I got in trouble for it. Did I got you? in trouble for not liking the song rate. <laughs> I, I did. Someone did a like an article, and it was about songs you hate, and that's the the um. The, the, it's like a recurring article on one of those, like, I can't even remember the name yeah, of which I, I music. I feel like I saw this was.
0: actually. I saw the tweet that being mad at you. <laughs> the, or the, the backlash was
1: hilarious. I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty pissed me off the backlash. Cause it's like, you're not a la- Like it's okay to hate, um, Nickelback fucking, or whatever. Nickelback. Right. Yeah. But like some kid out there, Nickelback is like the Beatles to them. <laughs> yes. like, society is, ugh.
0: Yeah the 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 group think is but i but i think it's much more interesting though cuz like you really buy it though Rate Me Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, I like that song. I'm not with you there, but you're allowed to yeah, do it in yeah, my book. Yeah. Anybody's allowed to have I'm anything. I'm just saying,
1: <laughs> Rate Me Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: I think it's really interesting <laughs> that you as a person, yeah. what you saw is like you wanted something different because to so many people, that's like yeah. the most... Uh, like, I literally think about this. Like, if you think about what the majority of the world feel, gets gravitated by the music that was in our age range, yeah. it was Kim, And there was something about his persona yeah. that really... Brought people there, and uh yeah. you were not that <laughs> I liked Green Day, no, I mean, like I loved them, I mm. had all
1: their records, they were just um, uh, so among the many bands of that era that I liked they just there was no cult uh following for me. it was just like another really great band, perhaps one of the most or the most important band of this era, and hugely influential to me but it w- it was it wasn't this oh, I want to be Kurt thing mm. You know, it was like, I got Oasis, I got Weezer, I got Green Day, and I got Nirvana, and I loved all of them.
2: Mm.
1: I ended up becoming more of a punk than mm. a sort of sad artist type, you know, um, this you know this sort of generation, Gen X thing. Um, uh, I was just more into, like, this, this, this snotty and more heartfelt. <laughs>
0: If you enjoyed this episode, please remember the golden rule of the internet, that if you enjoy something you got for free, please tweet, Facebook share, or tell your friends about it in whatever way you like to do that. Please check out Noise Creators' website and take a look around. We have tons of interviews, discographies, Spotify playlists from all the best producers out there on our service. If you are unsure about who your band should work with, we can help you get the best producer fit for your record. To keep up with us, follow at Noise Creators on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, Tumblr, or Facebook. This podcast can also be found wherever podcasts are found, including iTunes and Stitcher. I'm your host, Jesse Cannon. I can be found on Twitter at Cannon or at jessecannon.com. Again, please help spread the word about this podcast and what Noise Creators does so we can keep this going.